All right, what's happening, everybody? Um, sorry that we missed last week. Um, you know, things get busy. Um, sometimes I record, I can record, sometimes I can't. Um, but I'm going to do my best to, um, as I can, uh, give you all some helpful information uh, regarding the Bible and, um, you know, just our, our faith, our belief in uh, Jesus Christ. Um, again, for those of you who are new, this is the Good News for the Hood podcast. Um, Good News for the Hood is a brand that um, is being worked on. There's an apparel aspect um, to it, which, um, you know, we are excited about, but that's still in development. Um, but we never wanted it to be only about um, the products that we can tend to sell. Our goal is really to develop um, uh, resources, ultimately, uh, that would increase biblical literacy um, and and simultaneously um, decolonize, I think is the best way I can put it, um, decolonize the Christian faith, especially in the West. So, you know, if, if there were two pillars that um, this brand stands on, it would be a biblical literacy. Care deeply about that. Um, you know, very much so. And you've heard me say it before. I think that there's a there are um, there's a lack right now um, in terms of biblical understanding. Um, and that doesn't always mean that people aren't reading their Bibles per se. But what I mean is that I think a lot of us, and this is myself included, when we approach um, the Bible, the Bible, <laughs> a lot of us, when we approach the Bible, we're looking at it through Western lenses. We're looking at it through our own experiences and our own context. Um, and we are often um, neglecting the context and the lens, the worldview of the biblical authors and the first hearers of the, um, of, you know, the words in the Bible, even how we call the Bible, the Bible, um, you know, comes with its own context, comes with its own um, meaning, etc. You know, what what did the scriptures look like during the time of, you know, um, the Old Testament? What did the scriptures look like um, during the time of the New Testament? And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, the specific books, but in terms of how were they even collected? You know, we have all of us have not just one, all of us today have five, six, seven Bibles inside of our homes. You know, was it like that during their time? If not, what might it look more like? You know, was were all of these things in one book? You know, no, these things were scrolls. These things were collections. You probably had to have a bit of money if you were going to have a Bible. Um, it's not like they had the printing press. So, you know, what, what does that mean? What did it if you only have limited access, you know, some people didn't even have the education to read or write, um, you know, so that being the case, you know, was the Bible written with the expectation originally that most people would read it or was it written um, with the expectation that more people would actually hear it and it would be read out loud to them? Um, and, and certainly there are um, there are, I'll call them responses instead of answers, 
um, that various scholars have researched and there are gleanings that we can pick up on our own for those of us who are not scholars um, that would at least inform us and, and give us information you know about things to just consider you know things just to consider and so uh, again you know that is what we care about here um, is increasing biblical literacy and especially increasing biblical literacy in in black christian spaces um something i care deeply about and then again the decolonization aspect just means is, is referring to the fact that i think more and more um christians today in the western world especially are realizing how much um we see through the lens of whiteness and approach the scriptures through the lens of um, of white Christians and white Christians have been the dominant voices in the West. And, you know, that has not been a always a good thing. And it's excluded some uh, perspective. And I'm not talking about um, perspective in terms of, you know, the theological understanding of of what the authors were saying. The author, ultimately, we all have to go back to uh, Jewish and Hebrew context to to understand the Bible as best as we can. All right, that's the culture. So we all have some trans um, transcultural work, if that's even a real word, you know, um, to do. Um, cross-cultural work, maybe I should say, to do. We all have to kind of step out of our own lens if we're not, you know, native Hebrew, if we're not, um, if we're not Jews. And even if you are, you know, Hebrew, even if you are Jew, you still have to do the cross-cultural work of, you know, going back in time to ancient Judaism, ancient Hebrew practice um, and culture, right? So all of us reading the scriptures today have some type of um, cross cultural work um, to do, to step out of kind of how we see the world now and and think about how they were seeing the world at that time and then applying it. But I think when we talk about decolonization of the scriptures, what's being referred to is that um, in its application and sometimes even in its, you know, foundational theological understanding as well, but especially, I would say, in how this has been applied real time and culture has been um, uh, uh, colored by whiteness um, and oftentimes misapplied by whiteness or uh, whiteness has made it seem as though, you know, white is right. You know, sorry if I talk about this over and over again, but I mean, this has been done over and over again for years. And there's a real um, significant amount of work that's probably going to take beyond our lifetimes um, to really solve what um, slavery and racism and all these things have done in terms of how they have shaped the world. And these, these things have shaped how we even see the Bible. And there are a lot of hurt uh, black and uh, and brown um people out there in the world whose hurt has come from largely the way uh, the Bible was used by whiteness, you know, to keep people in slavery and how the Bible was used by whiteness 
um, even today to 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 make cultures other than whiteness um, appear less than. And so these things are important for us to at least identify so that we can do what we need to in order to see, well, OK, um, well, how does the Bible itself validate um, other cultures and how does it challenge all cultures? You know, the Bible um, in, in one sense uh, is a a it is celebrating the beauty and the uniqueness that all cultures can bring to um, to the body of Christ, but it's also challenging all earthly cultures to some extent. Saying that, you know, even with all the beauty that they can bring, um, there's still we are all guilty of um, of contributing to the um, the challenges that we see in the world. Sometimes we're we're cognizant of how we contribute to those things, and sometimes we're even unaware of how we contribute to those things. And so I think even as we get ready to jump a little bit more into Daniel, I think it's interesting. I'll skip ahead. I was going to talk about something in Daniel 1, but I'll kind of skip ahead to something that I think it's important to pay attention to um, later on in the book of Daniel. I forgot which, you know, I think it comes up maybe once or twice, um, somewhere towards the middle of Daniel, but... You know, Daniel, at, eventually, we never see him sin inside the book of Daniel. He's, he's portrayed by the authors as a very righteous man. And yet, even so, you know, he's a man who is, who is in captivity. Um, and I talked a little bit about this last time. He's a man who's in ca captivity. And for all we know, he it's not his fault that he's in captivity. All right. It's the fault of other bad actors amongst his people, you know, but he's kind of um, suffering along with them, the consequences, because they're suffering as a people because of the bad actions of some. Um, and yet we see him praying later on in the book and he's praying and using the word we, you know, he's saying we have sinned. All right. And then he eventually gets to the point where he just, he, you know, he even uses the word I sometimes, you know, um, um, in, in, in talking about, you know, the sins and, and the need to, to you know, repent and wanting to uh, get back to Yahweh, so to speak. So I say all the, that as a somewhat of a long introduction um, into just, just one, giving you all the foundation of why, you know, this brand exists. Um, and then ultimately, you know, uh, beyond that, I, I believe that this is how we can do some good in the world. But I think ultimately th this is not a podcast to um, to look outward only and say and cast blame outwardly. Um, this is a podcast and a brand that says, um, you know, there is uh, a lot of work to do for us as uh, black and brown Christians um, and white Christians who might uh, be um, who identify with the cause, who, who understand and have been doing their homework as far as you know how um, some of our history has been damaging um, and are and are trying to do what they can to acknowledge it. But it's not just to say, hey, you know, there's a problem over there. I think ultimately, um, and this is one of the conclusions I came to um, the other day. I think I put it on Twitter that. 
one of the challenges in Christianity today is that we all see ourselves as saviors. We all see ourselves as bringing, you know, the good news wherever we go. And a lot of us actually, I think Christianity is missing the element of being reminded that we all are sinners, right? All of us who are at this table are guilty in some way, shape or form of the ills of this world. And the moment that you 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 forget that, you really start leaning into self-righteousness um, and you really start uh, judging everybody else and forgetting about, you know, even if you don't think you've done anything wrong, you should just probably assume that there's some way, shape or form you are contributing to the madness of this world and you too need a savior, all right? Um, you know, I, I think that's important in keeping us humble. Um, that's also important, in my opinion, in not beginning to hate our enemy, but to actually take upon the challenge that that Jesus lays at our feet, which is to love our enemy. And it's very easy, in my opinion, um, not even just in my opinion, I think it's easy when you look biblically speaking to to develop that hate for your enemy when you begin to see your enemy as other because you say, hey, this person isn't acting right. This person, you know, is the descendant of slaves. I'm sorry. No, this person is the descendant of slave owners. He's benefiting from it. Right. Uh, um, and so, yes, um, they need to change. Absolutely. Probably they, they there's probably some reckoning they, that they need to do. But even those of us who are the descendants of the slaves, um, have some reckoning to do as well. You know, even the slaves during their time, you know, wouldn't even have been able to just say, you know, all is well with my soul uh, because I am sinless. Regardless of our place in life, um, you know, the Bible says that we all uh, have fallen short of um, the standard of God. And so, you know, just want to just put that out, out, out there as kind of a reminder um, I saw again what this is about, um, and to check ourselves, you know, at while while we are looking at into the world and critiquing the world, um, but to also make sure that we're doing our own heart check. Okay. That being said, let me jump really quick into my intention for uh, you know today's episode. And again, we're kind of in in Daniel chapter one still, and there's just one thing that I want to point out to you all. Um, and I've just been hanging out in the book of Daniel for maybe the past month or so, month and a half, maybe. Um, and so that, you know, a lot of times what we're going to probably talk about on here is what I'm currently studying and learning, you know, for myself. Um, and there's a channel called The Bible is Art that on YouTube that you all might appreciate. Um, uh, that's been helpful for me in, in learning some new things. Um, and he quickly in one of his episodes talked about, made a correlation between uh, Daniel and Adam that I had never considered before. Um, and so if you're paying attention to Daniel, the, Daniel chapter one, Daniel finds himself in the middle of a test. And that test that he's in the middle of is a test of food. Okay. And, you know, in, in essence, he that the Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, is trying to um, 
basically reshape Daniel's own identity and and the Hebrew boys and and all the 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 high and level folks that he's brought over from um, the Israelites into captivity into exile and you know he's trying to instill his culture into them um, and he does it through you know through learnings through teachings education but then all of a sudden it's interesting because it comes to this point where um, you know it says that um, he he wants the them to eat the king what they call the king's meat and it's funny because you would have thought that if Daniel was going to reject anything, it wouldn't so much be the king's food. It would be, you know, all the education that the king was trying to instill in him to, in essence, turn him into a Babylonian. But yet it's the food that Daniel says, it says he purposed in his heart not to um, eat. And so interestingly enough, you know, the correlation that um, this gentleman brought out in the Bible is art was for you, for us to pay attention to the fact that this is Daniel's first test and it's a testing of food which should then bring us back to one of the first tests that we ever see um no not ever see one of the the very first test we see in the bible is a test of food right and so here we have Daniel who, um, and, and notice how Daniel's uh, test is being connected to wisdom, all right? Nebuchadnezzar is trying to instill the wisdom of Babylon into Daniel. And then all of a sudden, he, there's this food element that's added into it. And the question that arises is, you know, it says Daniel purposed in his heart to not eat the king's meat. So that, will Daniel eat the king's food or will he not eat the king's food you know uh, and 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 will he obtain wisdom the wisdom uh as according to babylon or will he hold on for wisdom for from uh another source and so yes as we think about um adam and eve in the book of genesis um specifically chapter three you know it should get us thinking well there was this test for them. God says, hey, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Wisdom, again. Um, and then all of a sudden, the serpent um, comes and says, you know, deceives them. Hey, did God say that, you know, you all can't eat from this tree? Like, does that even make sense to you all? This is the tree that would make you like gods, <laughs> right? This will make you like gods. This will, if you want the ultimate wisdom, then eat from this tree, eat of the fruit of this tree. And ultimately, we know that Adam and Eve, they fell for it. Um, and they went and they uh, uh, tried to obtain, you know, wisdom on their own terms. And instead of gaining wisdom, they, <laughs> oh man, I just, this correlation just came out because if, if you even understand the fact that they were casted out of the garden to the east of the garden, then that would, you know, um, this is why biblical literacy is so important. That would also help you to understand the fact that the Israelites were also cast out of their land and exiled to the east. So in essence, Adam and Eve, to some extent, um, were exiled from Eden, all right, from the garden, and, and th they ate of the fruit and experienced exile. Okay, let me say it that way. 
Whereas Daniel is in exile and he's also given a test of food. And while he's in exile, instead of failing the test that they failed, he passes the test because he chooses not to pursue wisdom through the food, you know, through the food of the Babylonian king, but instead trust God for his wisdom. Okay, so I love that juxtaposition, you know, of the exile story and the testing story. But then also, if you go on, um, if you go on to the end of chapter Daniel chapter one, what you will notice is that it says that Daniel and his boys, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and because watch this, when I talk about them erasing Daniel's culture, it even came down to erasing his name. <laughs> okay. Um, and the name of his boys and giving them Babylonian names. Okay. But yet there was one thing that Daniel said, no, I'm going to find a way to remain distinct to Yahweh. And if by food is the only way that I can do that, then, you know, let it be through food. And it says that at the end of this test, because, you know, he, con he convinced Ashpenaz, um, the eunuch to allow him to go ahead and not eat and said, you know, basically, you know, let's see what happens at the end of 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, they appeared physically more fit. Okay. Then at the end of 10 days, um, they also, you know, were considered to be 10 times wiser than all the other satraps and men of wisdom, you know, that were in Babylon. And then it's interesting to me though, right? Because the author makes a move that shows you like what he's doing. Whereas the Babylonian king wanted to give them wisdom through, you know, food and through his learning, Daniel's trust in God doesn't just lead to greater wisdom, but Daniel's trust in God, it, 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 they slip it in there, but I think it's important for us to recognize because it says, hey, no, I'm going to give you more than wisdom. What I'm going to actually give you, Daniel, is the ability to interpret dreams, right? And then it even goes beyond that. So eventually he's not only later on in the book, he's not only going to be an interpreter of dreams, but he's also going to be um, a dreamer himself. And, you know, he's going to have visions, um, you know, and so it's almost as if God said, Daniel. If you trust me, I will give you beyond wisdom. I matter of fact, I've given you 10 times the wisdom because of your trust in me. Right. And not not going to not trusting in the world's wisdom, but because you trusted in my wisdom, I'll make you 10 times wiser than the world. And I'll also give you something that the world can't give you the ability to interpret and to dream dreams. You know, and I think that that it is it, it, just you know, not only is it encouraging for us, um, but it's also just beautiful, you know, um, the, the, the way the Bible is written and how much depth is intertwined. And I understand why the biblical author said, you know, you know, how could we ever think to search the depths of God? You know, even in his word alone, it takes a lifetime for us to just uh, get a tip of the iceberg of his word. But I don't want to just stop there because if you continue to go on, there's something else that you will notice in the, 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 the world of the Bible 
um, because not only were Daniel and Adam, though, the, they weren't the only ones to experience their first test being a test of food. Jesus eventually comes onto the scene. All right. And if you all remember the story, eventually, um, you know, he gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And then all of a sudden he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's tested by the Satan, right? He's tested by, you know, we call uh, this, this being the devil. He's tested by, um, you know, this, 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 the Lucifer, okay? And one of the first tests, the, the very first test that he's given is, well, if you're hungry, command that these stones be turned into bread. <laughs> His very first test is a testing of food, okay? And don't, don't like, don't just, don't let that go over your head. The author is doing something here. You know, the author is, is, is causing us to go back and think about where did we free, where are other places where we saw testing by food? We saw testing by food in Genesis chapter three with Adam by Adam and Eve. We saw testing by food in um, Daniel chapter one with Daniel and the, the Hebrew boys. Who is Jesus going to be like? Is he going to, is he going to eat the food and obtain wisdom that way? You know, the way that um, Adam and Eve tried to obtain wisdom? Or is he going to obtain wisdom, um, you know, in the way that uh, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys obtained wisdom through their trust in God, through their trust in Yahweh, through their trust in the Father. And ultimately, we know exactly what Jesus does. Jesus rejects, you know, the Satan's um, uh, attempts to, to, to get him to fall into the trap of, of trusting and turning stones into bread for his sustenance, right? Man shall not live by bread alone. <laughs> man shall not, watch, oh, come on, come on. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, okay? Every word, I forgot exactly, you know, the exact word, but I think, you know, that cometh from the mouth of the father, something, um, something like that. I, I'm probably misquoting a little bit, but, but, but what, look at that. It says that the, the, the truest wisdom, um, you know, our truest bread, our truest sustenance, you know, is, is, is not from, you know, what we eat and, and not from, and what we eat just represents you know, us going out and getting and, and fulfilling ourselves, you know, us sustaining ourselves through our own food, filling ourselves. But true sustenance comes from not even just God, but it says the word of God and, and his word, you know, the, 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 the main words that we have from God come through scripture. You know, and of course, you know, we still believe God can do things like, like, um, 
you know, God can certainly speak directly to individuals, individuals if he would like to, um, you know, but foundationally what we have of his word, um, the most sure word that we have is the word of scripture. Um, you know, so for us in our context now, um, it is, you know, getting back to the wisdom of the, the men that God chose to speak through to us. You know, you know, and I put that out there because I want to land the plane. You know, what does our wisdom look like today Um, and how how are we how do we ultimately go through the same tests and how can we pass the test like Daniel and like Jesus? You know, um, where are we being tested by food Um, and maybe not necessarily literal food, though that may be it for some of us, but. You know, in what ways the the food represents trusting again in our own wisdom and in the wisdom of the world. Um, And so in what ways is God calling us to trust his wisdom um, and not what the world thinks is wise? And so, yep, you know, I'll I'll land the plane there for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. I I hope that there's something there for you all to glean, to apply or even just to think about and ruminate. It's not necessarily for you to apply everything right away, but just to think about, um, you know, meditate on, all right? Anyway, thank you all for listening again. There is good news for the hood, uh, and we're going to continue diving in and and seeing what God's word has in store for us, all right? So until then, pass the test, y'all, all All right? Don't eat a fruit. (laughs) Peace.